Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Alicia. And this is Camp Final Girls. Hello, everybody. Welcome Hello. back. Welcome After back. A long weeks, time weeks, off. Weeks. <laughs> it's been like, I don't know, a little over a month, I think. Mm-hmm. I know. It's because, well, first, um, I got a sinus infection that I thought was COVID, but it wasn't. And then that went away. And then I just got COVID again. So you're <laughs> always getting like, sick. <laughs> I know. And then, um, I don't know. It was just a lot. I mean, we even missed because you came out here to visit and my notes like still weren't done. Cause when I was sick, I was just like, mm-hmm. just laying there like a lump on a log. Yeah. Well, so I'm the same way when I don't feel good. Yeah. I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to sleep. <clears throat> but, and then, well, and then also even I've had these notes done for a while. Yeah. After just that. Haven't been able to do this. Get but, our shit together. Yeah. I mean, I've been like, um, going through a lot lately and I know you have too, but I've just been like, also, that's why I like to go out with my friends and my coworkers and stuff, because it just like gets my mind off of it. Like I've already gone skating several times, like, um, roller skating and it's so much fun and bowling and arcades, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but that's definitely good to keep yourself busy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. And now we're trying to plan like a camping trip. So mm-hmm. hopefully that'll happen. And then school starting and blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, don't remind me. Thankfully, I don't take them, but I still have to make sure they're awake. That's going to be the tough part. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Because then hard. I have to get up earlier than I usually do. I know. And every morning, me and my daughter just like fight over everything because she's not a morning person I'm not a morning person we're just like constantly fighting clashing it's great yeah so I'm so not looking forward to that but so um this case that I'm doing this week it's such we're starting off with true crime for our first week back <laughs> and it's actually it's a pretty famous case I'm I'm curious if you've heard of it because it's pretty famous but um I actually chose this case because um, Stranger Things right now is a huge deal and um, it's such a pop culture phenomenon. It's like the number one show in the world right now. And um, one of the new characters, which I know you said you just started watching season four, like how far did you get into it? Um, I think I'm on the last episode of the first volume. Okay. Yeah, I've been watching it like nonstop. Okay, good. Cause like after that, like there's only two episodes after that and you didn't have to wait a month. Like everybody else who watched it on time did. (laughs) But, um, so this case is actually where one of the biggest characters, um, Eddie Munson actually comes from. This Mm. is, um, he's based off of one of these characters, um, in this case that I'm doing. So, um, this case is called the West Memphis three. Have you ever heard of it? 
not by the name, but okay. Know. It's it's a big case, and usually people know it by that name because that's mm. what it's called. Well, then I probably <laughs> don't know it. <laughs> I'm always so disappointed by you. But then I learn more when you tell the story. I guess that's like you're getting to hear it for the first time. Exactly. Because so. then if I already know it, I'm just like, ah, I already know. But if, if you're telling me, I'm more like intrigued by like what's going on. Okay. So, well, and I'll tell you too, like later on, which character Eddie is based off of. Because he's okay. like, the, you know, the the vigilante hero of um, season four of stranger things so. mm-hmm. um okay <clears throat> so on may 5th 1993 it is in west memphis arkansas <clears throat> at around 8 p.m the west memphis police department received a phone call from john mark byers his eight-year-old um, son christopher is not home and has been missing for hours um regina meek veteran patrol officer answers the call It takes her 10 minutes to get to their working class West Memphis neighborhood. Mr. Byers gives a description of their son. He's about four feet tall, 50 pounds, brown hair and brown eyes. They last saw him at about 5.30 p.m. When Meek asks about this last interaction with his son, he he admits that he did punish Christopher and gave him a few lashings with the belt for skateboarding in a busy street. He says that it's possible that Christopher stayed away because of this. Meek takes this report and goes to start looking for the boy. So he's basically, yeah, I beat his ass. So he's probably just hiding because he's ran away. Yeah, which is crazy because like I feel like nowadays if you're like, oh, I beat that kid with a bell, he's probably not coming home because he's scared of me. You would be so much trouble. Yeah, you would get arrested. Yeah, they'd be like, sir come down to the station yeah I just confessed to beating Uh, my child great but imagine too that's the last interaction you have with your kid before they go missing is you beating their ass yeah that would suck not just that but then it's like that now you're a person of interest yeah but also like that's the last thing you ever said to your child ever and if they never came back yeah yeah that would suck um so while on her rounds another call comes from in a restaurant called uh bojangles along the freeway since she is pressed for time she mr decides, bojangles yeah like the clown isn't that a clown i think so yeah <laughs> so it's like mcdonald's but like ghetto yeah probably <laughs> um since she's pressed for time she decides to meet the manager of the restaurant at the drive-through window and she's told um, by the manager that a strange black man had just come into the restaurant and he seemed disoriented he was covered in blood and locked himself in the women's bathroom oh my god however by the time the officer gets there he had already wandered off into the woods <laughs> sorry <laughs> I lost my place and the next the next sentence was sunglasses and I was like he did not wander off into the sunglasses (laughs) when the manager went into the restroom he realized that there was a pair of sunglasses left behind and blood everywhere but officer Meek never got out of her patrol car to even take a look at this what Um, yeah like which is so interesting to me because like you're looking for a missing boy and then you get a call like this where a guy's like 
wandering in the woods like with blood covered all over him like and this is the 90s right so you would think that they would be a little more like proactive (laughs) yeah right but not in the 90s that was too fresh off the 80s when everybody was dying but um she she was just way too eager to find um christopher byers so she left and continued her search she's like yeah that is weird i'll take your report and then she just was like whatever back to what i was doing Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of weird though because wouldn't you tie the two you would think police work i don't know um but then at five 9 45 another call comes in and she is back at the buyer's neighborhood. This call comes from Ted and Donna Moore. They live right across the street from the buyers, and their son Michael is also missing. Like they buyers from Stranger Things. Isn't that their last name? Uh yeah, like Will Byers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a um, I know. Maybe that was another tie to the story. Could be. <laughs> they say, um, they last saw him at about 6 p.m. Um, three boys were seen riding off on their bicycles. Michael, Christopher, and a third boy named Stevie Branch. How old were they? Um, they were eight. Hmm. Which is weird because I picture my daughter's about to turn seven. Like, I can't imagine any year being like, bye. Have a good day. Come back yeah. later before the sun sets. That's how it used to be when I was younger. My parents would be mm-hmm. like, all right, go outside, go play. And now we're just like, nope, you're staying here with me so I can yeah. see what's going on. You're never going to leave the house without me. So don't even try. Yeah. Um, it didn't take long for news of the three boys um, going missing to spread. Several neighbors said that they actually saw these three boys and their bikes riding to the end of Macaulay Drive. So wait. Um, First, it's the, the other missing boy. Now, these three went no, missing? It's, no, it's he's one of them. Oh, okay. So it was um, Christopher, Michael, and Stevie. Were the okay. three boys. So somebody saw, so the one of the boys was reported missing by his dad, but then it all turned out it was three boys in total yeah. because someone saw them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Macaulay Drive was a dead end road with a small parking area. This area was very popular with the kids. It was a place where they would go and play and just like let their imaginations run wild, which I like that takes me back to my childhood so bad because I remember in the woods, we would pretend like we were having weddings and building houses (laughs) and all that stuff. So I could just imagine. (laughs) Um, Police, with the help of the concerned parents, start walking through the Robin Hood Hills area for any sign of the boys it was really hard to do in the dark though and the in the thick wooded area once it started getting too late they decided to call it a night as they hadn't found any clue of what had happened to the boys I would never I could never like call it a night I would just like get one well yeah imagine going home and like you're so exhausted and you're so like um scared though for your kid but you that you can't fall asleep but you're just like so tired you know I know like I can't that's that's tough yeah that's a lot to go through um this they start the search again the next day with Gary Gitchell leading the investigation um the sheriff's department came to help neighbors and volunteers as well they used helicopters to find them and they started to interview the families for information 
All three of the boys were in the second grade together at Weaver Elementary. They were all three best friends and Cub Scouts. Michael's parents said he was so obsessed with his Cub Scout uniform that he would wear his uniform all the time. He was the leader of the three boys, which is like so sad. I could just like picture that being the start of like a movie or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Stevie Branch lived with his mom, Pam Hobbs, and his stepfather, um, Terry Hobbs. Uh, Sheila Muse was his aunt who was his aunt said that he was a kind and loving kid who loved the teenage mutant ninja turtles amanda hobbs stevie's sister said he was very active and playful at the age of two he jumped into some water and his father panicked jumping in after him his father joked that when he saw him um, under the water he was trying to swim to the surface like a frog and that's when he got his nickname frog legs (laughs) (laughs) that's so crazy um which actually is so weird because I wrote um a short story in I think it was in college called frog legs and it's really um, yeah actually I should send it to you it's pretty good I just (laughs) thought of that when I was picturing like what happened to the frog in my story it's pretty (laughs) nasty (laughs) (laughs) anyway does it turn into soup no oh he just gets (laughs) roasted over a fire and eaten that way like delicious just how I like it have you ever tried frog legs hell no I don't want to try anything weird like I remember but you only live once so like just try it at least once I my family in Indiana made me well they didn't make me they didn't tell us that they cooked deer in the as a burger and my mom was You've so never mad. had deer before? Well, not until then. When they my made grandpa it, used it to hunt. so weird. It's I remember gamey. It, it's very gamey. Yeah. It, just, it was not good. I don't even like burgers that much anyway. And eating that was just like gross. And my mom was so <laughs> mad when she found out. She did not eat it the rest of it. She was just so mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my grandpa used to like hunt for deer. And then he would make deer jerky. And we would always eat it. We'd be like. Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I mean, maybe as, maybe as jerky, it wouldn't be as bad, but I don't know, as <laughs> like meat like that, like a burger meat, I don't know. Yeah, it's gamey because like cows are like sedentary animals, so they're all fat and their meat is juicy, whereas mm-hmm. like deer are like fast and they're made of like mostly muscle, you know, so they're, they're mm-hmm. fat. It's just like hard and yeah, yeah. yeah. you can like taste the difference. Anyways, Christopher lived with his mother, Melissa, and his adoptive father, John Mark Byers. He liked to skateboard and ride bikes, and his nickname was The Worm because he could never sit still. He was super hyperactive, which is just like my child's stress. I was just insane. about to say like, that. Always like, yeah. just moving. I'm like, just sit still. You're just like, oh my God, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I know. And today she's like telling me, she's like, mom, maybe I have ADD. And I was like, yeah, thank <laughs> You're like, not maybe, you do. <laughs> I need to get her tested because who? Oh, yeah. She's definitely for sure. Yes. Um, May 6th, 1993, after gathering this information from the families, the search was the main focus. There were at least 50 police and volunteers looking for the boys. They had people um, doing that thing where they like stand and march side by side through the woods. um, And these woods were like separated by a canal. Mm -hmm. And they found 
nothing. They just like couldn't find even a clue about what happened to these boys. But Steve Jones, a juvenile probation officer, stays behind to continue the search. He's like, I'll just keep looking in this area. Like mm-hmm. you guys go on with your day. Um, this is when he goes down by the canal and finds something very suspicious. He finds a child's shoe floating in the water. Oh, no. Um, and the shoe had no laces. He radios, letting them know he found something. And the officer that responds is Sergeant Mike Allen. He decides to go into the water. Although this canal is only about two to three feet deep, it's hard to go through because it's really murky and you can't even see the bottom of it. <sighs> so he's like slowly moving through the water. Um, it's probably like quicksand filling. Yeah. And like, can you imagine like walking through the water, like, and it's just muck and you're just trying to find something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be so scary. Um, so he's doing this until his foot dislodges something bubbles come up and reveal a naked child's body. And it was Michael Moore. The condition of Michael's body was terrifying. He had bruises all over wounds on to his head. His right arm was tied to his right leg and his left arm was tied to his left leg like with the shoelaces um this position made the boy's body like arch outwards like this because he was tied you know uh um the next thing that he finds is a cub scout hat in the water um that's so sad like i just picture he's like you wearing even the cub scout outfit you know which is so sad because they look so cute in that like Mm -hmm. handsome you know yeah um at this used to be a cub scout he's little yeah oh my gosh I think it's funny when like boys are cub scouts until they're like teenagers and stuff and I'm like I think that I think their dad was (laughs) (laughs) but I mean it's pretty cool you learn some pretty good life lessons in there I think right Mm -hmm. yeah um except for all that stuff that came out about what, what was happening with the boy scouts of America oh yeah it's scary um so At this point, other members of the police department had arrived. They knew that the task at hand was now to search the bottom of this canal to find the inevitable. Um, Brian Ridge volunteered for this job. He got into the water on all fours and started searching with his hands. First thing he finds is a stick stuck in the mud. When he pulls it up, there's clothes like wrapped around it, which is really weird. That is weird. And he continues to find like pieces of clothing wrapped around branches and stuck in the ground. So it's like to make sure that they didn't float away for like a very specific reason, Mm. which is like, what is that reason? You know? Yeah. Was this? So they wouldn't find the bodies, obviously. No, like the fact that they tied the clothes down and put them on these sticks to make sure that they didn't float away, that they were like, would be there to like be found or something Mm -hmm. but then people started to wonder was this evidence of a ritualistic um tactic to try and hide the clothes under the water he continued to search for the other boys um and downstream he next finds the naked body of stevie branch um he's face down in the water tied up the same way that michael was his body naked too yeah Mm. yeah his body showed signs of terrible trauma. The side of his face was completely gouged out and it looked like he had been severely beaten. Oh my God. Um, Ridge then finds Christopher Byers. He was in a similar condition, having been beaten and tied up, but something was different about him. When they flipped him over, 
um this is a really sad part but when they flipped him over they thought, saw that his scrotum had been cut off and the skin of his penis was cut off as well oh my god that just gave me chills yeah oh. it's um it's just like killing a little boy like you know is already sadistic in and of itself but then to also like mutilate them yeah. in that way it's that's was, just was he the only one that that happened to yeah <sighs> um so after the horrific shot shock of getting all of these bodies out of the water like imagine being these police like carrying these little boys who are like tied up like this and like naked and dead yeah. like that's sad. i can't even imagine like what what's going through their minds you know yeah. having to deal with that like day to day like obviously they see horrific things all the time but probably nothing like that yeah like every day yeah exactly it's like something that will stick in your head mm-hmm. like I would go to sleep like picturing that you know and even like how it felt carrying them and stuff mm-hmm. it's like that'd be really heavy and hard to deal with um so it was then time to start the collection of evidence they assumed that the boys had been murdered here as well so they made this their crime scene also um the strange thing was that um about this was that despite the condition of the boys' bodies who had clearly gone through torture, there was no blood anywhere in the water, on the banks, or in the woods. Mm -hmm. Um, Throughout the investigation, the families and others had gathered outside of the crime scene waiting for answers. Gary Gitchell comes in front of the camera, and this is where he tells the parents that their sons are no longer missing and that their bodies had been found. Um, I can't imagine getting that news. I know. I, I don't even think I could breathe like the fact that your child is missing is one thing and then to find out like you're not gonna be able to get them back you know mm-hmm. yeah that's devastating yeah um the entire crowd um when this happened becomes extremely emotional when Stevie Branch's mom Pam Hobbs finds out she faints um, and they were all in shock and horror. Like they had it on recording too. Like what after he announced it, and like the par- the way the parents reacted, it was just really really sad too. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have the video of that? So it was on um, a documentary that I watched on um, Discovery Plus, oh, which okay. I will put um, information about in the show notes. Oh, okay. Um, some of the details of how the boys actually died is also released. West Memphis is a small town, so the details get leaked in the media quickly. The local news releases that the boys were hogtied and slaughtered. People find out these gory details and they are angry. People were terrified because this killer was still on the loose. Are they supposed to be telling like that kind of stuff? Because no, it got leaked to the oh. media. Because like when you live in How? a small town like that, it just like that becomes... doesn't make you know what I mean. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it's Unless also like it's... back in the day. Like imagine a cop; he's all like drinking oh, on the yeah. job oh my or God, some shit. This happened. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Happens all the stupid. time, especially with cases that are this big, and they know people are like desperate for information. You know, that's what's so dumb. They should like get reliable people, making sure that it's like you know under wraps because how are they supposed to find the person if they just tell the world yeah yeah which is like um you'll see going forward but there's um that's a issue that comes up basically Mm -hmm. um 
the uh oh wait where was i oh there i uh, then information from the coroner is released that two of the three boys were also possibly sexually assaulted this scared people into no longer allowing their kids to play outside west memphis then became like a ghost town like they were saying you would like drive by neighborhoods and that like would be parks with like a swing blowing in the breeze but no kids playing there and they're like that's just not normal Mm -hmm. for this time like in the 90s or early 90s you know which which makes me think of when COVID first started and you drive down the street and there's like barely any people out yeah I remember like driving like a ghost town and you're like even on the freeway there was like no traffic I know my my commute that would normally take 45 minutes to an hour would take like 20 minutes and I was That's like, crazy. What? <laughs> Stupid traffic in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police were under serious pressure to solve the crime. They quickly built a list of suspects. Some um, thought this could have been a mil- military person because of the way that they were tied up was similar to the way that like POWs get tied up. Mm-hmm. Then the manager of Bojangles calls and reminds them of the bloody, muddy man that had been in his restaurant that night. There is even some blood still on the walls with the sunglasses. Um, Detective Ridge went to the restaurant and co- collected the evidence. He's like, um, hello, remember what I told you about yeah. this? There's literally still blood on my walls. Oh, God. so weird. Um, okay, so about a week and a half after the murders, police receive a tip about a 19-year-old named Chris Morgan who drove an ice cream truck in the boys' neighborhood. He was known to have met Stevie Branch at least one time before he died. Then, after the murders, he had moved to Oce- Oceanside, California. So they thought, like, he was just running away, I guess. Oh, because he had something to do with it? Possibly, yeah. Mm. All right, I'm going to pop. So when Gitchell calls up Oceanside Police Department, Morgan voluntarily comes to do an interview. Um, He denied knowing anything about the murders, and he said that on the night of the murders, he was jumping off a cliff into the Mississippi River, far from the crime scene, and then he went to a nightclub. Um, At one point in the interrogation um, begins to get to, to become just like too much for him, like just all of the sudden it's really weird um he covers the lens of the camera with a tissue and he says he doesn't want to talk anymore then he starts saying that he had had a substance abuse um he would fight with his family about he then blurts out maybe i blacked out and murdered those boys oh my god yeah like imagine like because you're just like addicted to drugs and you probably black out all the time and so you're like holy shit what if i did kill those boys yeah i can say with uh experience that that can happen yes not personal obviously not my own Um, but yes it is guys she has a problem (laughs) not me but but like imagine like because sometimes that does happen like especially for people who drink like sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll be driving and they just black out and fucking kill somebody and wake up and don't even remember a fucking thing and i'm like that's "That's the thing when you're when you're so heavily under any type of influence like you said alcohol drugs anything you can black out and something can happen and you're just like yeah and it's crazy because it doesn't make it okay exactly just because you don't remember you black out like it yeah but it's also your fault 
you were doing those substances. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. Because then everybody around you suffers because they remember. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he starts saying this and the police are like, wait, what? Are we getting a confession here? And then and then all of a sudden he turns on a dime and he's like, no, I didn't do this. It's not possible. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's just like, maybe all come, over the place coming <laughs> off a high or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. They take urine and blood samples from him. But then they have to let him go because they just don't have evidence. Mm -hmm. With nothing else to go off of, the police went back to the scene of the crime, just trying to find answers. Eventually, uh, everything about all of this looks so um, ritualistic. The ways the, the boys' clothes were stuck in the water, no blood to be seen. They also realized that it had been a full moon that night. And this was a time um, when a lot of people were still talking about satanic ritual murders. Like it was still the time of the satanic panic, you know, mm -hmm. end of the 80s, early 90s. Like everybody thought, oh, you're wearing black nail polish. You're off the devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I literally remember when I was growing up and one time Miley Cyrus was like on something and she had black nails. And I was like, mom, I want to paint my nails black. And she's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> but Miley Cyrus does and she plays Hannah Montana <laughs> I could totally see us doing that and then I still couldn't do it so <laughs> now um, you should do it now oh you have before. I do all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know my whole life is just spooky now so way to go mom you pushed me into it <laughs> Um, the police then decide to consult with the occult expert, Dale Griffiths. He was um, a policeman for 26 years. Then he got his PhD in the study of occults. Mm -hmm. Based on this satanic panic, they grew up, drew up a list of suspects, including an 18-year-old kid named Damian Eccles, who they thought was one of the weirdest kids they knew. They thought for sure he was probably involved in satanic rituals so they started to focus on him damien was a kid who lived in a trailer park in west memphis and his high school drop and was a high school dropout he was on the police's radar for over a year he had jet black hair and painted fingernails in a small christian town he sh um, stood out and actually like scared people mm -hmm. um michael equals michelle <laughs> Eccles, his sister said no matter the weather he would wear his long black trench coat too we're like remember those kids yes you're like there was like a lot 100 of degrees on you're wearing a trench coat yeah there was a lot of kids like that at my school i know and those i wonder where those people are at today like how they dress yeah like <laughs> are you married with kids and like slick your hair back now or something <laughs> slick your hair back i don't know pamela uh, metcalf his father his mother <laughs> said he was a very normal teenager he liked to dress in all black um with his black boots too of course Mm. Um, she said one time a girl told him it made him look sexy and she thinks that's why he continued to dress that way because he's like <laughs> oh girls like those goth guys like secretly they're all pretending like it's weird but they're all turned on by it <laughs> which I'm not gonna lie there were some some emo or goth guys at my school where I was like dang <laughs> <laughs> you know you know how it goes yeah <laughs> um she said he was very into aliens and searching and researching other religions. Um, 
for a while he was interested in Catholicism and he um, started getting interested in Wicca. Because of this, people thought that he was into the satanic cult, which um, there's a lot of a lot of misconceptions when it comes to the occult because Mm -hmm. they think a cult, they hear the word cult and so they just automatically think it's bad. But that's yeah. not necessarily true. So mm-hmm. just a lot of um, misperceived conceptions like come out of that. Mm-hmm. A year before the murders, Damien broke into an abandoned mobile home and got um, onto probation officer Jerry Driver's radar. Driver really believed in the satanic um that the satanic cults were a problem in the area. He had Damien sent to a detention center and the director there said that at one point Damien had sucked the blood of another kid's arm. Ew. What the um, heck? Yeah. He was probably like a vampire. It was also reported that he had threatened at one point to kill his father. My cat's being crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm like, yeah, but he's a teenager who's on probation. Like, what teenager on probation didn't say that they wanted to kill their parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they just say that shit, which is not okay, but they, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, because of his sordid and dark past driver thought to look um, into him more. So he was able to search his home and take some of his writings and drawings. He saw um, writing in code. He didn't understand and saw a book from the library about witchcraft. There were drawings of pentagrams, half goat, half humans, and Jerry believed for sure that Damien was involved involved in the murders. Um, So the police tried to tie his social life to the crime. They believed these murders were done by more than one person. So they started looking into his best friend too, Jason Baldwin. He also lived in in a trailer park and was seen as an outcast. He remembers meeting Damien one day while he was um, seeing him skateboarding in the trailer park. Jason stopped him to tell him how good he was. And then they were just like best friends ever since then. So (laughs) that's just totally how little boys make friends. They're just like, (laughs) hey, dude, you're really good at skating. Oh, you want to be friends? (laughs) They're just best friends ever since. (laughs) Um, The police bring in Damien to interrogate him. They assume right away that this guy, um, this is the guy that they're looking for. And the detective notices that he has the word evil written on his knuckles. They said that about the other guy. So they're going to say that about every guy that they bring in? No, it is him. No, wasn't it? Oh. Damien Eccles. Why did I think his name was William? I don't know. There's there's so many (laughs) names I'm getting lost. Oh my gosh. So, um, wait, what was his friend's name? His friend's name is Jason. Jason. Oh, okay. I I don't know why. And it's Chris, it's Christopher, Michael, and Stevie are the three boys that were murdered. Okay. And then there was the guy who had the, uh, the ice cream guy. Yeah, his name name was um, uh, Chris Morgan. Yeah. Okay. But that's not even close to what you said, which was William. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so um, the detective notices that he has the word evil written on his knuckles and he's wearing a pentagram necklace. Um, Damien tells him that it's a symbol from his Wicca religion and that he is a member of a white witch group. 
So actually, and there's a lot of obviously misconceptions even about the pentagram because Mm -hmm. it's used in a lot of um, religions and people just like associate it with, yeah, there are also like satanic people. Yeah. Who use the pentagram that, but that's not always what it's used for. Um, when asked about that night, he said he was nowhere near the area. He said his mother picked, um, he said his mother picked up by his mother. <laughs> his mother picked up by his mother. He said he was picked up by his mother with his girlfriend and then dropped off his girlfriend at home. And then they went home, um, spending the rest of the night talking on the phone with a friend. Ridge asked who he thought um, did the killings then. And Damien said, probably somebody looking for a thrill kill. Ridge then asked if the killings had any significance in his religion. Damien said, there were three killings and the number three is an important number in Wicca and blood had a special significance as well. Then he asked if water was significant in Wicca, which Damien said, yeah, it, um, it has like a demonic force. He said that all humans also have a demonic force inside of them that they can't control. To the police. (laughs) Yes, it's just like talking about his Wicca shit, and they're like, everyone's demonic in some way. Definitely (laughs) the guy. Um, To the police, this is enough. They have their suspect, but they have to let him go until they find evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, then they get information from a woman named Vicki Hutchson. She lived in a town called Marin, not far away. She said that her eight-year-old son was friends with the three victims. And she said she also heard that Damien might be involved. And she says she knows one of his friends, 17-year-old Jesse Miss Kelly. So this is like basically like three kids were found and like it's three teenage boys that they suspect did it, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, Jesse had recently dropped out of his high school and worked for Vicky as a part-time babysitter, um, doing also yard work and other things around her house, which I'm like, he's like a manny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, he also lived in a trailer park and he had told her that his friend liked to drink blood and was part no. of satanic rituals. So he's like, he's like even spending, spreading these rumors like about Damien too. And she um, wants to be an undercover investigator for them. So um, the de- detective's like, well, go do what you got to do and see what you can find, mm-hmm. which is so interesting. She's like, I want to like go undercover and try to see if I can figure this out for you. And he's like, okay. <laughs> You're like, thanks. Go do the job for me. Sure. <laughs> A couple weeks later, um, Vicky comes to the detective Ridge and says that Damien and Jesse took her to a gathering of people who are a part of an, of the occult and to an event called um, Isbat. It's a gathering of, of witches that takes place in an open field outside of West Memphis. So they went to a gathering of witches. <laughs> weird like imagine you're just like going with your friends who are like you want to go to this gathering of witches and then they're just like driving you through the woods and you're like what the fuck is gonna like am i gonna be killed yeah am i a sacrifice what's gonna happen there because i picture what was that movie midsummer have you ever seen that Uh -uh. oh it's weird you should watch it that's what i was thinking of i can't imagine like Oh, sorry. I'm tired. Um, I can't imagine like 
like say like you are like hey you want to come to this thing and then like you you tell me what it is on the way I'll be like take me home please okay let me out of this car not kidding about all of her witch brooms she has this decoration in her house that's weird (laughs) makes a lot of sense though (laughs) so um Damien drove her out into the dark where she said she didn't recognize any of the people they were chanting, dancing, and taking their clothes off. She got um, scared, so she taking asked their him clothes to off. Take they all home. got naked. Yeah, that's sometimes that's part of the ritual. Okay. You know, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I just picture they're all just like tripping on acid or some shit. Probably they're probably <laughs> doing shrooms. Yeah. Um, I, they at first feel skeptical, like she just wants the real more reward money and like wants to be a part of like all this hype but mm-hmm. she does pass a polygraph when she states this mm-hmm. so they go to jesse miscali's house a month after the murders when it's a full moon again they ask if he'll come in for questioning he says sure he denies having to do anything with the murders but the police say they need to give him a polygraph he answers all the questions denying everything towards the end the detector technician says he's lying his ass off so ridge becomes confrontational with him they turn on a tape recorder he says that all three of them are a part of a cult and they like to go into the woods to do rituals like kill dogs they even bring girls up there sometimes they would have orgies up there then they asked him about the night of the murders he gets distraught and says that that night Jason calls and invited him into the woods. He said while out there that the boys in the woods. Wait, he says while out there, they see the boys in the woods and they called them over. He says that Damien started hitting one of the little boys and they started um, screwing them as well. Oh, my God. He said Jason hit Stevie Branch um, and did the same thing to him. Then Michael Moore took, took off running. So Jesse went and chased after him. He held him down under, I mean, until the others got there. And then he said he left. So he was like, yeah, like I was there. I was watching them. Um, Damien like started beating one of them and then fucking him. And then um, Jason started doing it too. And then one of them started to run away while this was happening and chased after them. And then caught him for them and then he's like okay i'm out though guys bye Mm -hmm. i'm like of course you were conveniently like not involved yeah so um that's where i'm gonna leave off because this is gonna be a multi-party is it really i was gonna say i'm like okay this is it it doesn't seem like it's ending and yeah it was and that's like eight pages of notes so that's a lot holy crap i know so but yeah um you can kind of see the ties though to um eddie munson right like with the chrissy thing how like she's found dad in his trailer and mm-hmm. they think it's him because they think he's a part of a cult but it's just yeah his dungeons and dragons thing i know that that's so, so sad like um the stranger things i think he did it and he's like all he's doing is just getting high like yeah. poor guy no i'm playing dungeons and dragons yeah. hellfire like, he's a yeah. nerd you know, I know. He's trying to enjoy his life and just like smoke so a little sad. weed or whatever <laughs> i know which was such a bad thing back then and now it's like i'm a little high right now 
<laughs> you know yeah it's just weird how different it is now I know but, but um, yeah that's that's interesting I, I don't think I've ever heard this story really it's uh-huh. such a big story like I can't yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't know yeah, I've never, I don't remember hearing it it's yeah. crazy it's and it's a crazy one because you're gonna see how it ends and you're gonna be like wait what because the party is probably thinking why would the Duffer brothers like choose to um make a character that's so lovable off of somebody who that would do something so terrible mm-hmm. so and I, you'll see why when this story is finished oh okay so. all right well, i look forward to listening to the other part i know hopefully it's only a two-parter but i can't <laughs> guarantee it <laughs> oh no okay i know i keep getting yeah it's not good okay but we're gonna be um on top of it guys Yes, because I don't. Thank you for listening, and yeah, thank you for continuing to listen. Like even after we took a long break, Mm because I felt so bad. But like getting back into something, it's like trying to start working out again. You know, I know you just have to do it, and then then you kind of get into it again. Like it's like a get into your groove or whatever. Yeah, because like once you stop doing it, you're just like, "Uh, I'm tired. Yeah, (laughs) because you have to do notes, and then you have to set up, and then you have to record, and then you have to edit. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I also love doing it too. So yeah, it's like it's like a I don't know how to explain. It's it, like but... a therapeutic kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, have a good rest of your day or night whenever you're listening, and tune yes, in. We next love week you guys. Part two. Look forward to it. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Have a good night. Where's the end button? Hold on. Okay, bye. Oh, hello?